Welcome to episode 60 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today we're talking about the planning and creation of creative business conferences with my guests, Grace Dobush and Joy Ueno. Grace Dobush is a freelance journalist and the author of The Crafty Superstar Business Guides. She's also the co-organizer of Crafty Supermarket, an indie craft show that's celebrating its sixth birthday in Cincinnati on November 28th. And she's working on Midwest CraftCon, a retreat for mid-career makers coming in February of 2016. Grace Dobush, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. And Joy Ueno is the co-founder of a workshop-based conference for bloggers and creative entrepreneurs called The Hello Sessions, which recently took place for the first time a few weeks ago. She also authors the blog Frock Files and is the social media manager at Bentley University. Joy lives in Massachusetts with her husband and their corgi Kona. Welcome, Joy. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show. So I'm really excited to talk about creative conferences because I think they are so valuable for makers and bloggers. And I want to just hear a little bit about each of the conferences that you guys are organizing so that we can know a little more about them. So Grace, I'll let you go first. Just give us a little bit of a background. Like what is, I know Midwest CraftCon hasn't taken place yet, but what is it going to be? It's we're envisioning Midwest Craft Con as a retreat and conference for mid-career makers. So anybody who has a creative business that they've started, maybe they're a year in, maybe they're 10 years in, and they just want to have some supports and learn things that are going to help them take their business to the next level. Um, and we we're happening in February for the first time as our current organization. There was uh, about five years before that, an earlier incarnation called Midwest Craft Caucus, which um, a friend of ours organized in Columbus. And it was a really great time. It was very grassroots, um, just a weekend of getting together with other creatives and crafters and makers and, um, but as as it so often happens, uh, the woman who organized it just realized this is a lot of work for one person to do. So I need to not do this after this first time. And I'm willing to pass it on to whoever wants it. And so she passed on all of her info to Megan Green, who organizes Craft and Outlaws in Columbus. And she was starting to think about reviving Midwest Craft Caucus earlier this year Meanwhile, Britt Cherick, who is in Akron and organizes Crafty Mart up there, uh, her organization just got nonprofit status and she really wanted to start doing more education for sellers and business outreach and things like that. And she had contacted me thinking that saying that she wanted to start up a craft conference. And I was like, wait, you need to talk to Megan because you guys are trying to do the exact same thing. And so let's, you guys should team up on that and I'll introduce you. And then as I was in on those initial emails, they were so excited and I was so excited. And then I was like, I really wasn't looking for another project because Lord knows I have too many projects already, but this sounds really, really fun. And I have so many ideas. So we became a trifecta and the three of us are putting this together alongside, um, you know, running our, 
own craft shows, which are all happening like in the next few weeks. Um, craft and Outlaws is happening on November 14th. And then me and Britt, our shows are the weekend of November 28th. So uh, basically we're all just crazy people and we wanted to get even more crazy. And um, yeah, and we're just really excited about it. I mean, it's going to be a whole weekend of um, business stories and advice and inspiration and working together on crazy projects. And um, there are going to be a lot of surprises too. So it's just going to be a long weekend in cold and snowy Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And um, I should say just um, by way of um, full disclosure that I'm going to be one of the speakers at Midwest Craft Con. So I'm excited to to be invited. So thank you for that. And we're very <laughs> excited to have you. Well, you're one of our two keynote speakers and the other keynote speaker is Lisa Kong did, who I know was also at the Hello session. So obviously yeah. she's super awesome. Yeah. Lots of good overlap there. So, um, so that brings me to you, Joy. So do you want to just tell us, I know the Hello Sessions is a new conference and it just um, took place just a few weeks ago. Um, so tell us like what happened, what was it about, um, who came and what was the goal? Well, first of all, I have to say, Grace, that I think anyone who gets Lisa Congdon to come to their conference is super lucky um, because she's mm-hmm. amazing, as you know. So we were we felt really lucky to have her at the Hello Sessions, too. Um, but the Hello Sessions came to be because we were looking for a conference that was sort of like a more intimate, hands-on blogging conference. And then we kept having, Melissa and I kept having these conversations where we were like, wouldn't it be great if it was in Portland? And wouldn't it be great if all of our amazing friends could come and speak? And then eventually we were like, no one is going to plan this conference. (laughs) We're going to plan this conference. And so um, what it's come to be is it's just a one day conference. So it's not very long, um, but it it's jam packed and it's all workshop based. So people are doing Every every workshop that we offered had some kind of hands-on element, so people were either doing an activity or building a tool that they would be able to use when they went home. So one of the um, one of our most popular classes was actually our editorial calendar class, where people built their full year's editorial calendar in that workshop, and that was really helpful. Um, they actually just used a spreadsheet that Chris Gardner from Manmade DIY built. And uh, had them fill out in that. Okay, okay. so every um, session had something like that where you were sitting down and actually making something, whether it was something digital or something actual. Yeah, or you were doing some kind of hands-on element. So like Molly Ye was there from um, My Name is Ye, and she did a whole session on photo styling. So people were in there actually taking pictures and styling food. And most of our, I would say most of our um, attendees were either lifestyle bloggers or um, food bloggers, or they had some kind of lifestyle business. So, you know, we have an attendee who's starting a gift package business, or we had some florists and people like that, calligraphers. Okay. So it's kind of a a slightly different um, target market. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think that's important to to clarify. So, um, and tell us who your partner was. I know you mentioned her just briefly. My my partner is Melissa Bayan, and her blog is called Lulu the Baker. Okay. And how did you guys meet? Melissa and I met at another blogging conference, but we had also known each other through Twitter and Instagram and things like that. And so we we kind of run in the same circle of lifestyle bloggers. 
And um, then we just hit it off when we met in person and we just kept communicating. Okay. And you live in Massachusetts, but the conference was in Portland. I'm assuming she lives there. She lives in Eugene, um, just outside of Eugene. They just built a huge, beautiful farmhouse. But I'm originally from Hawaii. Um, I moved to Massachusetts for graduate school. And then for two years, I lived in Portland, Oregon. So I, the conference being in Portland was sort of like like I needed. I was like homesick for Portland. And so we created an excuse for me to go back. Um, which I wouldn't suggest. I think that if you're really homesick for a place, you should probably just go and visit and not create a whole conference. (laughs) But it is really great. And one of the most wonderful things about the conference was watching everyone fall in love with Portland because it's such a great city. I want to talk a little bit about partnerships. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as Grace was mentioning about the older incarnation um, Midwest Craft Caucus, doing a conference by yourself is a lot of work and can lead to burnout and to feeling like overwhelm. Um, But doing it with one partner or even with two can make it really feel doable. Um, And I mean, not that it's not a lot of work, but um, I wanted to sort of hear a little bit about how you've divided up the roles and who's doing what, um, because I know that there's just so many logistics that need to happen. Um, And a little bit about kind of how you guys meet, Um, you know, do you have weekly calls or just email? Are you using Slack? Like, how are you guys talking to one another? So, um, so Grace, I'll let you take that one first. Yeah, you know, the nice thing about um, being a group of craft show organizers doing something is that we're all really used to multitasking and just kind of working on these passion projects like round the clock. Um, and not and not to say that these passion projects aren't real businesses because we all you know run our shows as businesses and our. Um, you know, I've I've got my day job as a freelance journalist. Britt is a teacher by day. Uh, Megan has her soap business, which is her full time gig. And so, you know, we're just very used to having a lot of stuff to do. And personally, like I love it when I have just like one too many things to do. I feel like that's when I'm most efficient. If I have not enough stuff to do, then I'll just like procrastinate on everything until it's way too late for. Um, getting anything done on time. But we, we've really found that um, being in opposite ends of the state. So I'm in Cincinnati, Megan is in Columbus, which is about two hours Northeast. And then a Brit is another two hours Northeast of there in Akron. And um, so most of our meetings take place virtually. Uh, We occasionally have like maybe monthly Skype or Google Hangouts. um, And then we have like a group chat in um, I chat that is just basically, um, daily, um, all the time that we just ping each other with little things, funny things or work things. Um, we've only been able to meet in person twice to work on the conference. And so that's probably quite different from, um, how most conferences happen. Uh, this summer I was in Germany for work for three months and at the same time, there was a conference happening in Palm Springs in California that I was really wanting to go to. And I'd bought my ticket for it before I even had planned to go to Germany. And it just so happened that Brit was going to be in LA the weekend before. And so I convinced her to stay on and come to this conference with me because it's a super cool unconference, very, 
Um, there's no schedule before you get there. And it's a very maker friendly, creative kind of conference where you can do basically as much or as little as you want. And it's in the environment of Palm Springs with, you know, basically like you're in the pool at least 50% of the time. So we convinced Megan then to also come out and join us. So we had our first official planning meetings in the pool at this really cool conference. Um, and then our second meeting for planning was just a couple of weeks ago. We met up at the conference hotel in Columbus um, to, you know, check the place out, really think about the format of the conference and how things would flow. And we also met up with a lot of other creative businesses in Columbus that we were either partnering with or that were, you know, friends of the conference. And, um, and that was really, really great in getting us excited to, you know, carry this, carry this weight of organizing through the holiday show season, which we're already, you know, super swamped with, Um, so that was really nice to be able to meet up and our next in-person meeting probably isn't going to happen until after Thanksgiving. Yeah. But you know, the division of labor has just kind of happened naturally. Um, Megan is really awesome at coordinating logistics with venues, volunteers. She's kind of, um, she's our liaison for the hotel and she's doing a lot of work also with local sponsors. And then Britt, she's, acting as the umbrella organization so we can have nonprofit status. And so she is handling a lot of those legalities, um, you know, the uh, accounting, finances, legal stuff. And she's also working with sponsors and um, she's been heading up our Instagram and Facebook. And then I'm more, my background is in journalism, so I've really taken the lead on the content side of things. So putting together our website, running um, running our Twitter, also working on the Facebook, um, doing our email newsletters, and I'm also in charge of programming for the conference. So I was taking the lead on recruiting speakers and now working with speakers to finalize you know, their talks and getting everyone's bios up on the website and um, liaising with all of our presenters. Um, So, I mean, we all have lots, lots of things that we do, but I think we've managed to divide it up so that everyone's doing something they really like to do. And I think that's really important in terms of making a successful partnership. Yeah. um, And um, Joy, do you want to talk about your partnership with Melissa and how you guys split things up, split things up a little bit? Yeah, it's really like I, I have to say that if if Melissa and I were not working on this together, there would be no conference. I cannot imagine doing something like this alone. So I think that if anyone is thinking about planning something, um, they should definitely, especially if you have other things going on, you should definitely think about getting other people on board. Um, and we weren't, <clears throat> although she's my partner, we were not the only two who were working on this. She was actually working on this. Um, and we were working on this with a team of our friends who came in and helped us with, you know, individual tasks. So, um, the way that we ended up dividing our labor kind of came naturally because by the time we got things moving, we were moving so fast that we just had to do things. And, um, what ended up happening is that I handle most of the social media, the newsletter, the printed materials, and the website. And then Melissa handles communication 
with um, with the venue. So she was the one who was working with the hotel where we had the conference. Um, and she handles anything physical that comes into the conference, obviously, because she's much closer to the venue than I am. And flying all that stuff out there would be crazy. So um, she's the one who receives everything for the swag bags. Um, and she worked a lot with the vendors who were local. And then there's a lot of overlap in what we handle together. So um, we're both communicating with sponsors. Um, we're both handling any issues that people have with registration and communicating with the workshop leaders. And so being able to overlap in those areas um, has been really great because we've kind of been in constant communication. So since there's only two of us, I think it's a little bit easier probably because we can just like text each other all the time. Um, and we were meeting, we were meeting pre- pretty regularly um, by Skype. And then we were also meeting regularly with Schoolhouse Electric about the party that happened before our conference because they were planning all of that for us. And so, and they were really great at communicating with us regularly. So each month for probably about four or five months before the conference, we would meet with them to talk about any plans that we had or any changes that were being made. Okay. Um, I want to talk about uh, sponsors because both of you have mentioned sponsors, finding sponsors and working with sponsors. And I think um, that's something important to making a conference function. So um, if Joy, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, sort of what role sponsors play, uh, what, you know, what do you ask from them and what do they give to you that helps make the conference happen? Well, we knew that we couldn't do the sponsor, we couldn't do the conference without sponsors because it wouldn't, it would have been really expensive for our attendees. So, um, we got really lucky because, we had been working with sponsors for our blogs for some time and we approached those sponsors first um, because we already had relationships with them. So sponsors like Better Homes and Gardens, um, MailChimp and those, those people were really easy for us to get in touch with. And then there were other sponsors who approached us and, um, for all of them, what we did was we put together a sponsorship menu. So, um, they would know sort of what they could expect at the different sponsorship levels. And then we would go into more detail if they were interested about their placement on our website, their placement in our sponsor newsletter, and then the signage that they would get at the event. But on top of that, probably the most beneficial thing, and this is actually what we've heard from people, um, from sponsors for the conference, is that we gave them a ticket to come to the conference. So our sponsors were able to sit in on workshops and actually make relationships with bloggers as attendees. And that was really great for us because we got to meet them and for our attendees who want to work with them. And did they know, did you give them like a list of of who would be attending so that they could make kind of a, you know, sometimes when you go to um, a, a, a sort of work conference or um, party even, you kind of have like a list of people that you're like, I really want to make sure that I connect with these certain people. So I wondered whether, you know, did you let them sort of know who was going to be there so that they could kind of target those people in advance? Or was it just like, we just come and kind of do it on our own? We didn't give them a list, but we gave them access to the um, Facebook group that we created. Oh, 
And so they were able to mingle there with people who were going to be attending the conference. Okay. All right. And Grace, what about you guys? Um, Have you been um, approaching sponsorship in a similar way or somewhat differently? Yeah, I think we don't have as many like existing relationships with the big sponsors. So that's been something that we've been working pretty hard at with varying amounts of success. Um, Because each of our shows are so local, you know, most of our sponsors individually at our shows have been local arts organizations or creative businesses or other small businesses who like supporting creative people and arts projects. So um, we've had um, a lot of local organizations that have sponsored us either in kind, like we have a local screen printer who designed our logo and who's going to be uh, doing a screen printing demo at the conference. Um, we had another creative business person uh, from Columbus who can't attend herself, but she decided to like pay it forward. And she's sponsoring us in the form of giving someone else a chance to go. So we're going to be able to give someone a scholarship to come to the conference for free. Um, we, you know, we do have, we, we're kind of operating in a similar way to how uh, Joy does her sponsorships where we have a private Facebook group for attendees. And when we have um, sponsors come in, like Creative Live is one of the national sponsors that we've signed on for Midwest CraftCon. Um, you know, uh, Elizabeth from Creative Live is coming to the conference. And so we've given her access to the Facebook group so she can get in there too and see what people are talking about. Um, I think that's important to note. I think um, it sounds like both of you guys have this private Facebook group and that um, seems like a place to build community prior to the conference, both for the sponsors to be able to kind of get in and mingle, but also for the attendees to say, hey, I need a ride from the airport or, you know, here's what I'm looking forward to most or just to ask questions and that sort of thing. So um, do you feel Mm -hmm. like that would be something you would recommend to people before an event starts to, you know, set up that Facebook group and get people kind of um, building community in advance. Oh, absolutely. That was, it was kind of an idea that we took from yes by yes, yes, which is the conference in Palm Springs that I talked about earlier. Um, They've got a, a huge Facebook group that, you know, continues on each year. And so it keeps growing with these alumni from the conference. And it's just a really cool way to plan ahead, you know, get a ride from the airport or, caravan together, but also a way to stay in touch and just share best practices. And we also found that it was really helpful because people felt like they knew each other before they showed up at the conference. So there wasn't, there was like less awkwardness and more excitement about meeting each other. Yeah, for sure. Like some people are coming to a conference and when you don't know anyone or you don't think you're going to know anyone, that's really intimidating. But I, I really love that, you know, people are making friendships before they even arrive. And in some cases, too, people are seeing that um, someone they know online is also registered for the conference. And now they're even more excited to go because they realize, like, oh, my gosh, I'm finally going to get to meet you in person. Like, that's a really cool thing to find out. Right. And that brings me to the next question, which is about um, speakers and teachers. Um, so I wondered how you're like you strategize, you know, who is going to be coming to talk? Um, How are we going to have like a rounded out set of speakers to provide, you know, different kinds of workshops, different kinds of information for all different people who might be there? Um, 
And uh, so, and like the planning that goes on behind that and, and then the help that you might give to the speakers who've agreed to come as far as developing what they're going to talk about um, and that kind of thing. So the, the strategy around putting it together when it comes to the content of the conference itself. Um, so Joy, do you want to talk about how you guys um, figure that part out? Yeah. So we really started out by thinking you know, what are people, because like Grace's conference, we're looking at people who are sort of mid-career and we were thinking about what are these people really interested in learning and who do we know who's really great at doing that thing? Um, and luckily we have a lot of really amazing and talented friends who are doing things that uh, people want to learn about. And so originally we were trying to stick with people who are in the Pacific Northwest because there aren't a lot of these events out there. And then we sort of broadened our horizons and started looking a little bit further out. So, uh, and especially because this was our first year, we felt like we really wanted to ask people we knew already because they would come <laughs> and not think that, you know, what is this crazy thing that's happening that I don't know what I'm getting myself into. So we ended up with the speakers that we had and uh, most of them we knew we weren't personally um, in touch with Lisa Congdon, but Lisa is a friend of Tiffany Hahn, who is our keynote speaker. And so there was that connection. And I think that that element of everyone sort of knowing each other and being friends was really helpful in creating the atmosphere for the conference itself because people just kept saying, wow, this is, you know, this is such a friendly conference. Like it doesn't, there's no element of like, hierarchy or, you know, it doesn't feel like a popularity contest. Everyone is so nice. And I think that that had a lot to do with the people who were speaking and their general attitude about their success and their, um, the opportunities that they've had. Yeah, they really set the tone, I feel like. Um, you know, the keynote speaker definitely sets the tone of, you know, how are we going to approach being here together? Um, so that's important. And, and can I ask if you were able to pay the speakers who came? So because this was our first year and we had no capital going into it, um, we were not able to pay our speakers, but we did give them their hotel room for the two nights that they were there. And we gave them a stipend for materials, which they could either use on the materials or they could use if they didn't have materials to purchase, um, you know, they could keep themselves. So that was sort of where we made up the difference. And then for um, the local speakers, we gave them the amount of money that would have gone toward their hotel rooms. Okay. All right. I see. And Grace, um, do you want to talk about how you kind of pulled together the speakers that you do have and um, kind of figured out, you know, how to round that out? Yeah. You know, a lot of the people who I invited, I mean, Lisa Congdon is a friend of mine. Um, I uh, had the pleasure of hanging out with her in both San Francisco and in Cleveland when we were both speaking at um, the Weapons of Mass Creation conference in Cleveland a couple years ago. Um, and so some of the some of the speakers who were on our list were personal connections, but um, and of course inviting you, you know, you, uh, you Abby and I had uh, you know talked a lot over the past year or so about various craft business things, and so. Um, you know, our two keynote speakers were definitely personal connections. Um, but then for the rest of the conference, I had very specific ideas about what areas of um, creative business we wanted to cover um, from specific business topics like 
legal affairs, accounting, bookkeeping, uh, contracts to more creative and inspirational kind of talks. Um, and so we put out a call for speakers and I had a Google spreadsheet, a form that people could fill out if they were interested and pitch us some ideas. And we got a really good response. I mean, I think we got more than 50 suggestions, which was quite a few more than we could take. Um, which was really, it was really nice to have the variety and, um, the variety of topics being pitched as well as getting to know, um, some people that I had never met before. Uh, probably a third of the speakers were folks who had filled out the form and I had never met them before. Um, like a woman coming in from near Detroit who is giving a session on acting lessons for shy crafters. I, I had never heard of her before, but I saw that topic and I was like, oh yes, like that's, that's an amazing topic and we need to have you. Um, but I also did some outreach specifically. Um, you know, we had, um, getting somebody who is capable of talking about accounting and bookkeeping, uh, you know, that is something that I'm still working on. And I've been talking to the local SCORE small business support uh, nonprofit to get some people from their organization to volunteer and speak. Um, and getting a lawyer was also something that I had to make a specific ask. But we also, in putting together Midwest CraftCon, we really wanted the speakers to reflect the diversity of the Midwest as well. And so when I found that there weren't any um, African-American people who had filled out our form, I specifically sought out um, and reached out to a number of speakers of color to try and make sure that those crafters are represented at the conference. And so um, that was something that was a little difficult, but I felt really passionate about making sure that it happened, you know, and just making sure that, um, I mean, uh, conferences in general, there's often a, a big gender bias against women with the craft world. Of course, there's not that problem. You know, it's going to be mostly women. Um, and we, you know, I think right now the only man that we have on our roster is the lawyer who is, um, who is going to be with us that weekend. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the fun part. Um, so there's the serious part about learning and growing your um, skill set. But then there's also the part of the conference that's just for fun. Um, and I just wanted to hear a little bit about what those activities might be, um, whether it's like food or party or um, swag or just um, other experiences that are included in the either the day or the weekend that make it that are just purely there for fun. Um, so, uh, Joy, do you want to talk about some of the things that you guys plan that weren't, you know, learning, but were just uh, enjoyment? Well, we kicked things off with a party at Schoolhouse Electric. And so I um, I had personally known the Kristen Neiman, who is the head of PR at Schoolhouse Electric. And she was incredibly generous and they offered to throw us this party and they handled everything. And so in these meetings that we would have with them, they would just tell us the amazing things that they were planning. And we were like, that sounds great. And so really what we did was show up um, and make sure that we had a check-in list and people could come. And that was such an amazing way to start things off. Um, not just because it was such a beautiful party and there was 
amazing food and swag and people got to meet in this beautiful space, but because it was really casual and a really warm way for people to begin getting to know each other before the conference. And um, Melissa, my partner, had planned something before another conference, a party that happened before another conference called the Hello Social. And so this was sort of like our other version of that, which was really lovely. Um, And after the conference, it wasn't an official part of the conference this year, but it will be next year. Our friend Chelsea Nichols of Type A Press threw a wine pairing dinner in McMinnville, Oregon, which is like wine country in Oregon. And that was one of the most memorable things for the people who were able to go because there were probably about 20 of us from the conference who were able to go. And um, there was a there was a group of chefs called Let Them Eat, and they created this amazing five-course wine pairing meal. And we had just a ton of fun, and we got to see this new place that none of us had ever been to, and people were really excited about it. Those two events really bookended the conference. And then um, in the middle, you know, we had a photo booth and we had a, at the end of the conference, we closed out the day by having a crafting room with Better Homes and Gardens and Martha Stewart. And um, that was just a really nice way for people to sort of transition out of the conference and into whatever they were going to do for the rest of the evening. Okay, that sounds great. Um, and Grace, do you want to tell us a little bit about kind of, I know it, um, your conference is coming up, but uh, you don't want to spoil any surprises, but um, do you have any specific things you can share about fun, just kind of fun, relaxing stuff that you are um, are planning? Yeah, you know, we, we're really seeing this as a as a retreat. So it's with the conference happening in the same place as where everyone is staying, um, we're seeing it as potentially like a giant week, weekend long slumber party. Um, we're planning on having um, activities happening into the evening. Um, we're going to have a, we'll start off the weekend with a happy hour, welcome cocktail hour kind of thing as everyone is arriving before the first keynotes talk on Friday night. Um, and then afterwards we're, we're thinking that the partying will probably go late into the night and um We've, you know, we've got some surprises planned that I can't reveal quite yet, but, you know, just generally, um, we're trying to facilitate a lot of socializing. So, you know, making sure that our lunch breaks and dinner breaks are long enough for people to really engage with each other, maybe go off campus together to explore or, um, you know, be able to have a relaxing chat with some other people that they've met. Um, that's really important to us. And another thing that we're trying to set up is a crafting slash maker space on site so that if people need to chill for a second or they just feel like getting creative, they can go to that space and hang out with other attendees and learn how to make something cool. Um, All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, marketing and promotion um, before we get into your list of recommendations. Um, so I know that, you know, when an event is new, and both of your events really are sort of new, um, even though uh, Midwest Craft Con is kind of a new incarnation, but it's still new. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you go about I mean, You talked about Facebook, Instagram, that sort of thing. Like, what would you recommend to people um, as far as getting the word out and 
building excitement about a conference, um, effective, like the most effective ways to do that, um, and how far in advance to start and which channels seem to work the best, um, you know, just to get people to sign up. I know it's a big deal, like the day you release the, the tickets and seeing, you know, are people actually going to buy this and, and come to this conference? Um, cause that's what it's all dependent on. So you really want that excitement to build. And then, you know, you have the, the release of tickets. So, um, Joy, do you want to talk a little bit about the marketing efforts that you, you guys did? Yeah. And I'm really actually excited to hear what Grace has to say about this because we're new to this too. And so we're, we've sort of like had this huge learning curve as we've been doing it. But, um, for us, the biggest thing, and I think the most helpful thing that we did was we created an assets page on our website and we told our speakers and our helpers that there were all of these pictures and, um, all of the speaker bios and the description of the conference and like our logo and everything they could possibly want. We had created even Instagram sized images and side banner sized images for people. And we said, you know, on, on this date, we're going to start promoting the conference and we would love it if you could help us out by, even if, you know, you just tweet a link to our website or you put a picture on Instagram or you write a blog post about us, whatever it is. Um, here are the assets they're created for you to use or reference in whatever way you want to. And they were really excited about that. And because we had such an amazing group of people, they were willing to help us do that. So I think that that's like a huge factor to doing this. Um, and then, you know, our audience is very active on Instagram. So that's where our biggest social media following is. And what we started doing there was, really making sure that the information we were putting there was valuable. So we built it into our editorial calendar with weekly themes and things like that, um, while also posting things that were just kind of like on the go. Tell us a little bit about what you did on Instagram. So we were just creating, you know, we would, we, we learned that people were very interested in things like productivity and time management. And so we would talk about things like that and give little tips that we were coming across on our own um, that we thought were helpful to people. And then that sort of fed into our newsletter. And so we did a lot of uh, stuff to drive people to our newsletter because we felt like that was a platform for us to communicate in longer form with people about the topics that they were interested in learning about. And how far in advance did you start some of those things? So um, the kind of, uh, you know, having lots and lots of people share the information all at once. Um, how far in advance was that before the actual conference date? Um, that probably started in the spring and our conference was in October. So I want to say April, May, we started doing that. And then we really did another big push in the middle of the summer. Okay. And did you start the newsletter in April, May too? No, we, I believe, had started the newsletter before that, so probably a year before. Oh, wow. Okay. So. I'm curious, Joy, um, how many people did you end up having? And was, I know you mentioned it was a small, intimate kind of gathering. Did you, were you able to sell out? Yeah, we had about 115 people there, which was really like the perfect size and what we were expecting and hoping for. Um, okay, so Grace, do you want to tell us some of the things that you have been doing for marketing? I know you're on Instagram too and have a newsletter. So um, some of the, some things that are maybe similar, but maybe some things that you've been doing or trying that are, are somewhat different as well. 
Yeah, you know, we find that our audience is much more on Facebook than Instagram. I mean, they are on Instagram as well, but we've seen the most action on Facebook. And um, luckily, since there had been a previous incarnation of the conference, we started with a Facebook page that had almost a thousand fans, which is an awesome head start, right? Like, um, it it takes a long time to build that up, and so having a little a little foothold, I think helped us a lot. Um, we are also doing the thing where we're sharing assets, um, little badges with our attendees and our speakers, because I really find that talking to someone one-on-one is the best way to get them excited. And of course that, that takes a lot of effort. Like I can't talk to every single person who might be interested, but all of our people who are attending can. And I think that there's a lot of excitement among people who have registered so far and they can then get people excited to join them. Um, So we like, we're right now heading into the final few days of our early bird ticket pricing. um, And, you know, we're trying to get the first hundred registrants in at that kind of entry price um, it mainly as a, as a way to gauge, like, can we really get enough people to come so that we aren't on the hook for paying thousands of dollars for this, like conference, <laughs> for this conference room that we've booked, you know? Um, cause that's the big leap of faith as an event organizer is, you know, we're, we're personally responsible for the money if this falls through. So it's risky. We are going to work our hardest to make it really happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a speculative nature to this because you're planning something, you know, in advance and you've got to make sure, you know, you've got people to buy, to buy the ticket. So how many people are you aiming for in an ideal situation? I mean, if we were able to sell out, that would be like 300 people, which I think would be amazing because that's still, that's still small enough where you can meet most everybody by the end of the weekend. Um, you know, if we need, we, I mean like bare minimum would be like a hundred people. Um, and that would still still be a really good time. But as our budget is built so that we can we can happen with a hundred people, but as we get more people, we'll be able to kind of unlock some surprises. We have some plans if the budget allows to have some really cool things happening. So, um, and then also, you know, we'll be able to invite some more speakers if we hit say 150 attendees, and that's something I really want too. You know, to bring even more people in to talk. Oh, we were talking about um, marketing earlier. One okay. of the things I find is really important is, um, you know, the idea of creating content that people want to share, and that you know, is a great way to organically spread the word. And so one thing that we're working on for Midwest Craft Con are these like crafty city guides. We're trying to do one for every single major city in the Midwest. Right now we've got Columbus, which is our host city, Cincinnati, where I live, and Detroit, um, crafty guides to all of those cities up. And we've got um, many more in the works from uh, some of our speakers, some other friend, crafty friends from cities around the Midwest. And um, we really, we're, we're really finding a lot of sharing going on of um, those crafty guides. So um, I, I, I feel like the most important thing in terms of marketing, especially on social media is to create not just stuff that's self-promotion-y, but 
to create things that are really useful and helpful to your target audience. Yeah. And I think both of you have mentioned that. And I think that's a really important point. And Joy, you also produced uh, or had a beautiful little video. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit just about the video and, and whether you thought that that was an effective marketing tool? Yeah. So, well, we had actually done a brunch to announce the conference. And so my friend Tanya and her husband came down from Vancouver um, and they they produced that for us. And so that was helpful. And it was very, um, you know, I think it set the tone. So people kind of understood what the aesthetic of the conference was and how it was going to um, kind of play out. So that was really helpful. But I also think that um, one thing that I didn't mention was that we got a little bit of help with publicity in terms of press. So we were on a couple of bigger blogs and we were mentioned by a couple of our sponsors and that gave us a really big boost in our opt-ins for our newsletter. So I think like if anyone's planning an event, that's probably a really great place, something great to think about that we hadn't thought about utilizing when we started planning the conference. Um, And that's definitely something that going into our second year, we're thinking more about earlier. And were those things you pitched or were those things where our bloggers saw it and were like, hey, I want to do something about you for my blog? Or was it kind of a combination? It was a combination. So we were featured on the Glitter Guide and um, our friend Carrie Waller is an editor for the Glitter Guide. So we approached her and we said, you know, is there something that we could write about that would be useful to your audience, but would also maybe help to build our email newsletter list? Um, And so that was incredibly helpful. But, you know, we were also featured by Better Homes and Gardens and Schoolhouse Electric on their Instagram feeds. And so since our audience is on Instagram, and that's a big driver for us um, in terms of traffic and opt-ins, that gave us a big boost. And it sounds like the goal there was to funnel everybody onto the email newsletter list. I mean, if that was sort of the number one or number two, right, the the one step away from actually purchasing the ticket was to be on this email list. Yeah. And email newsletter readers are very engaged and we have a pretty high open rate that that's like the best way for us to communicate with them in a more intimate way than just social media. Yeah. Um, so we we really try to get people there so that we're able to speak to them. My background is in writing. Um, I have a master's degree in writing. And so I really feel like that's the way that I communicate best with people. And so that's the best way for us to let people know what we're about and, and that we care about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of email newsletters. So, um, so I think that that, that, that is a, an effective way. Um, all right. So uh, Grace, do you want to tell us just the place where we can go and find out more information about Midwest CraftCon and um, uh, sort of what what we can expect. Yeah, Midwest CraftCon. All of our info is at midwestcraftcon.com. And our username on all the social networks is Midwest CraftCon. So you can find us any Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Tickets will be available until we're sold out. And so, you know, pricing is... Um, after the early bird is two forty nine for the whole weekend, and then uh, we've got negotiated special rates with the hotel to um, encourage people to stay on site so that uh, you know they could be part of the party. And um, yeah, and the if anybody's in the Cincinnati area, Crafty Supermarket that I run is happening November twenty eighth, right after. Thanksgiving on Small Business Saturday, and that's going to be pretty bananas also. <laughs> Sounds good. And um, Joy, you guys are planning to do another Hello Sessions, and do you have any information about that out yet, or how can people kind of 
get, um, I guess they should sign up for your newsletter to sort of get in the know uh, and be the first to know when it, when it does get announced. Yes, we would love for people to sign up for our newsletter. We, you know, to be honest, we were not sure we were going to do it again, but it was so fun <laughs> that we decided immediately after this year that we're going to do it again. So we're still trying to figure out all of the details, but our newsletter subscribers will definitely be the first to know. I feel like once you've done all the legwork and you've got all these different, you know, systems in place and made all the contacts, it's like, oh, to throw that away. You got to do it again, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it gets so much easier the second time. So you may as well just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, not that it's it's not as much work, but it because because of course it is. But um, but at least you have that knowledge under your belt. So yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, that sounds great. So um, I want to just get to um, some of your recommendations because I asked both of you to give me a list of some fun things that you're interested in and loving right now. And Joy, we'll start with you. You uh, recommended another podcast, which is also a show that I like. I enjoy. It's called the Millennial Podcast. Yeah, it's by a, a woman named Megan Tan, and she's living up in Maine, I believe. Um, and she's a millennial. She's very, she's fresh out of college and trying to figure out what she's doing with her life. And I love listening to it because I feel like I was just in that situation um, and trying to figure out, you know, trying to find my way. But it's so beautifully produced, and I'm so impressed by her storytelling skills. And I think it's just a great, it's a great thing for, I think, creative people to listen to. Yeah, I think it's an example actually of um, sort of doing what you really enjoy doing as though it were your job um, because now it like is her job, you know? Right, right. <laughs> um, and she just did it. And as you said, it is beautifully produced. Um, so like I think, you know, she found she found her way through doing this. It's kind of fascinating. It's sort of meta, but it's true. Um, and I'm not a millennial at all, but I totally enjoy that podcast. It's good. So, um, and Grace, you wanted to recommend um, MT washi tape. Yes. There are many types of washi tape now. There are a lot of imitators, but MT is the OG of washi tape, and it is amazing, and the patterns are beautiful, and I have a serious problem with washi tape collection. Um I'm looking right now at my desk. I've got like three canisters of various types of washi tape. It's a little ridiculous. And MT is a brand. I'm not a washi yeah. tape aficionado. Yeah, MT is the brand. Um, it's a Japanese brand. The adhesive is perfect. The colors and the patterns are gorgeous. And there are a lot of people that try to be MT, but they're not. Uh, so I, I suggest going with the original. Got it. Okay, good one. Um, and Joy, you wanted to recommend Canva. Yes, I love Canva. Um, I use it for my job at the university. I use it for the Hello Sessions. Um, it's just a great, easy tool for people to use for design. And it's generally, if you're using your own images, um, it's free. But it's kind of like quickie Photoshop. So if you don't have design skills or you don't know, like, know what fonts to use, um, you can go to Canva and create things for your social media profiles. And it's quick and easy. And they're sized the right way and everything. Yeah, I love that they're sized the right way. To me, that's really helpful. So you can just click on, you know, like Facebook banner and it creates a, an image for you that's exactly the right size so that when it, and it shows you like, you know, on Facebook, like parts of it get covered by like your little photo and stuff. But it shows you like where that's going to be. So you can make sure that what you're creating is going to fit exactly and um, not be pixelated and just be perfect. So um, Canva is good that way. 
Canva is awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, Grace, you wanted to recommend La Croix. I don't know how you say that. Sparkling water <laughs> and Campbell Moose. Uh, La Croix. La Croix. I mean, that's like the the Yankee way Got to it. say it. Uh, no, it's the jam. Uh, it comes in a lot of flavors. It's just delicious and refreshing. I've stopped drinking soda altogether. And the sparkling water quenches my thirst it's also a great mixer for booze, if that's if that's your thing. Um, and the grapefruit flavor, which they call pimple mousse because they're classy, that's that's the best one. Okay. I'm going to try it. Sounds good. Um, I have a soda problem, so <laughs> that sounds good to me. Yeah, this might, this might help you get off of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Joy, you wanted to recommend Google Calendar, which I don't use Google Calendar. What do you like about it? Well, I kind of I'm just a fan of calendars in general now because um, one of our workshop leaders, Maggie Batista, who is a good friend of mine and actually lives here in Massachusetts, um, so she's local to you too, she is like the most productive person I know and she suggested that you know, people schedule out their entire days. And so I've been using my Google Calendar just to make sure that like I schedule in everything and she suggests even scheduling in like a shower. Uh, and I find that to be so helpful and it sounds crazy, but it's incredibly freeing because you know that you have time to do the things that you want to do because they're in your budget, your time budget. So I'm a big fan of Google Calendar because it's easy and I use Gmail, but really kind of calendars in general. Okay, great. Yeah, I've been searching for a calendar that I can share that's one thing I haven't figured out yet. Um, I use iCal, you know, with my husband and I, we share that. But I have a business partner for a different business of mine. And um, and I'm looking now for a calendar I can share. But I guess maybe you can share a Google Calendar. Yeah, you totally you can. can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh, maybe that's our solution. Thank you. I'm going to take a look after I get off the podcast. That sounds really good. Well, Grace and Joy, it was um, just really wonderful talking to you. I learned a lot. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Walshy Naps podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, great to be here. And you've been listening to the Walshy Naps podcast. Visit my blog, walshynaps.com, where you can sign up for my weekly email newsletter. And if you enjoyed the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.